Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Salad Club. With me today is Emily Sadowski. She is one of the first people I ever met at um, CSI. She trained me as a DECA. And all I can say is welcome, and it's about time we do this. Thank you. It is so nice to be talking to you on the mic. I totally forgot that we met also on my first day at CSI. Um, I'm going to set the scene for you. We were in this very room. That's the lounge at Regent Park location. Right. And I had arrived for my interview to become a DECA. And you were here. Or maybe you even walked in. Yeah. You sat down like you belonged. Okay. Opened a laptop and started working. And I was like, oh, so that's how the lounge is used. People come in here and work. And it was really my first time in the space. Um, and you kind of showed me how to do it. Well, that, well <laughs> any time, you know. Uh, and, and that's how you, how you use these spaces. Actually, I hardly ever go into the back. I mean, I'm known as the lounge guy. Right? I can't help it. So... Um, <laughs> Let's talk about you, though. Okay. Um, I was looking over some stuff last night, and let's talk about what is Queenstown Seminars. I'm so happy to talk about Queenstown Seminars. Um, Queenstown Seminars is a salon series. It takes place in real life, live in person. It's a monthly series that takes place in Toronto at various venues where we get together to talk about big ideas. So it came about, I was chatting at a party with a friend of a friend, and it was one of those like amazing moments where you're kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if... Right. And both of us were really craving that deep discussion that we both know from our university experiences, where you go into a, um, a room with a limited number of people, and you're all there prepared to talk about one specific topic, and you dive deep. And there's something like a kind of a tingly brain feeling that I get anyway, an excitement when um, you learn something new or you figure something out that you didn't know before. And we really were craving that in our lives. So we developed it and we made it happen. And that's what Queenstown Seminars is. So you're like a mini, mini TED Talk. It's not it's not as much a talk as it is a conversation. So we do start the session typically with some presentation, either a speaker or, you know, we, we've done research and present to um, be able to present something to the group. Right. But the focus is on the conversation that we can have after, afterwards. So let's talk about some of the conversations you've had. Which is feminists and the power of the feline? The female. Feminine. Feminine. (laughs) So this, uh, right now we're in the middle of a five-part series that is all about the new age. Okay. So we're curious about the new age. It seems really relevant to our time. Um, We're embracing the woo with a critical eye. Okay. So the first session in that series was all about witches. Okay. And... I don't know if you've noticed, but witches are kind of around and they're everywhere right now. And uh, women, young women and all, all women especially, seem to be taking on either the identity or the role or the practices of witchery. And we found that really super interesting. Uh, I, I have to say, I, I never thought that I would know a witch. 
but apparently I've I know several. I have no doubt that you do. And uh, it's it's one of these amazing things, uh, you know. And, and I'm not even sure what a witch is anymore. <laughs> you know, to me, it's like. Darren and Samantha on Bewitched, you know? Yeah. So it, it, that's obviously not it, but... Well, it's not not it. I mean, I think what's happening now is that um, people are realizing that there is a power available in activities that we might consider witchcraft. Right. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, there is uh, Wicca, which is a religion, and it's a set of practices and beliefs. Right. But on the other hand, there is, in the New Age especially, there's av- what's available is for people to kind of choose, pick and choose what they want to practice and believe in. Right. Um, information is available. Uh, communities are available to sort of dabble. And so um, you have... Well, some of the things that came out at that workshop were the idea of uh, women at work calling themselves a coven, and they have a chat group, a chat group where they're all kind of um, exchanging astrology notes and right. um, and basically claiming power in that way. Um, and we held that event uh, just before Halloween. It was very timely and topical. And I think what happened there was a lot of people who came, like you, not really sure what was this topic and what were they were going to find, yeah. realized that maybe in certain ways they're also kind of witchy. Yeah. I would th- uh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do kind of make herbal tinctures or special teas to connect to whatever health issue I'm having. Or I do relate to the moon and the cycles of the earth and... You know, um, those are subtle ways, but also extremely powerful ways to feel connected to something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. Um, related to the earth and related to um, other people. The one that y- is coming up uh, on the 18th of December. Yes. Uh, which this probably will be after the 18th when this gets released, but the beliefs and ways of knowing. Tell me about it. Where, where, where are you going with that? In a way, where we're going is undetermined because it'll depend on who arises, who comes right. to the event and what they're interested in. So we're interested in um, beliefs as an element of the New Age. So what we see in New Age culture is, like I said before, um, people, many people are uh, disidentifying from religion but identifying with spirituality and finding connections to various spiritual traditions. Um, Again, maybe by picking and choosing or maybe by diving deep into one. Um, So we're curious about like, what are the beliefs that uphold the new age? Okay. Um, And what does it mean to hold a belief? And where do our beliefs come from? And is it possible to even trace those beliefs? Um, you know, one of the things that's sort of guiding the whole Queenstown seminar is there's a lot of information available right now, but there isn't so much um, conviction or depth available, especially in ways that we feel co- confident, where mm-hmm. we hold them so strongly that we feel confident having them questioned. So to me, that's a very interesting question about belief. Right. So is it possible to challenge your beliefs and still uphold them? That's a question that I have. Um, you know, is it possible to 
even trace where your beliefs come from. Another point that I'm really interested in, and I think we'll get into this on the 18th, is how the beliefs that we have influence everything else. So I'm going to give a little example. Okay. It comes from Wade Davis, who's an anthropologist. All right. And he tol- tells a story that really, I don't know, it affected me someday. Um, and I still think about it. So when he grew up in British Columbia, they saw a mountain. Yeah. And in his culture, they saw the mountain as a source for resources. Right. So, of course, they would think nothing. In fact, what they valued was the opportunity to blow the top off a mountain and dig in there for coal. Okay. So this is what a mountain meant to him based on his beliefs. On the other hand, he was surrounded by First Nations cultures who had a very different understanding of not only mountains, but that mountain. You know, he, he encountered people for whom that mountain uh, represented a deity. Right. And so for them, you know, follow the implication of that belief, of course you wouldn't blow, blow off the top of the mountain. Or even cut down the trees for right. resources. So, you know, that's a question that I'm curious about. Like, can we identify which beliefs we have and how they um, have effects down the road? Right. Yeah. Right. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And how each one of us has a different area of um, belief. No two people believe the same thing. Maybe. And then I'm curious if we think we are different, but maybe we actually share beliefs in a lot of ways, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, on January 22nd, you're going to hold another one called uh, The Role of the Ritual. Yes. Let's dive into <laughs> roles of the ri- ritual. love to. So, start. Where would you like to go? Okay, some of the things that I'm curious about around ritual, especially in the context of New Age culture, Mm -hmm. um, is how we choose which rituals we want to perform and don't perform. Um, Like I said before, a lot of what the New Age culture um, encourages is borrowing from other cultures. Yeah. And um, there's you know, issues of power and privilege around that and of appropriation. And for me, I'm curious about what happens when you extract a ritual from the cultural context where it arises. And um, is it powerful? Is it meaningful? Is it appropriate to perform those rituals? So that's a whole area of question. Absolutely. Another thing that I'm interested in is what happens in ritual. So I understand ritual as a liminal event something that takes you out of normal time and space and puts you into um, a a non-time, non-space, so that you can perform certain actions, and then it ends and you come back. All right. And, you know, that's very powerful, possibly, and I'm curious about how we use rituals um, in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely, because rituals can take you to a whole other place. It's just not going to church on Sundays anymore. That's right, and I think another area that we might end up talking about is the role of rites of passage. So rites of passage being a certain kind of ritual, Mm -hmm. and those can be very meaningful to kind of usher you into a new phase of life or, or so. Yeah. And I'm curious to know from people like, 
what ritual or rite of passage do they wish they had in their life um, that was missing hmm. that we might even build or develop for our, our lives now that would make right. sense for us that's very cool yeah well so anyone can come to any of these uh, seminars everyone is welcome to the Queenstown seminars okay um, how can they how can what's the best way to contact you and 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 get a ticket okay if you're curious to come to the salon or you just want to know more you can go to our website which is www.queenstownseminars.com it'll tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do and you'll be able to buy tickets not only that but if you are still interested you can um, sign up and subscribe to our newsletter and that way you'll get a direct email every time we have an event um, that'll remind you to buy a ticket to the oh, next salon. Oh, that's great. That's fun. Yeah, please do subscribe. Okay, and where do you hold these? Different places around town. So, so far we've been at a coffee shop after hours. We've been in a meeting room. Right. Uh, next time we're meeting at a ceramic studio, okay. which will be very interesting. Um, yeah, so we're trying to meet at different locations. The whole point is to spark creative conversation. And um, sometimes the location can help with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, for, the lo for the last two years, I've, I've been watching you uh, write your book uh, in the back. Yes, that's right. You know, uh, is it finished yet? It's not totally finished, but I still believe that it will be in people's hands in the year 2020. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, what is your book about? My book is about intuition. Mm -hmm. um, it is tentatively called "What Is Intuition?" Oh, that's. And a good it sort one. of answers the question. Okay. Yeah, um, it's based on my PhD research mm -hmm. that I completed in 2018, and it describes intuition as an experience of resonance and connection, and it also describes how people can become more intuitive so how to go about becoming more connected to the intuitive experience okay so i also noticed that you know when it comes to education like you're you it's not only intuitive education that you talk about but it's also also education in general mm -hmm. how to develop a course how mm -hmm. to do this how to do that yeah Let's talk about, you know, what are the best ways to develop an educational system? Oh, that's a huge question. How okay. much time do you have? Well, uh, so how about not an educational system, but a seminar? How is that? So we were talking about this earlier. Uh, my, my expertise, officially, is in curriculum and its implementation. Right. So uh, how to facilitate learning experiences. And um, if you go to my blog, emilysadowski.com, you'll see a little article that I wrote on how to design a productive, engaging workshop. Um, and I guess the gist of it, if, if I can just summarize it in w a couple words, it's make people feel welcome. 
And the reason I say that is because in order to have people participate fully, right. they need to feel that they belong in the space. And so we do that through setting up the room in a way that is conducive to the kind of learning you want to have. Right. We do that in, um, as a facilitator or leader, showing yourself to be a genuine human. Okay. Um, and being a little bit vulnerable, which it already is standing in front of a group of people. Uh, yeah. But being like acknowledging that. Um, and being aware of that um, and including people in every step of the way so making sure that you have their attention making sure that there's an opportunity for them to give feedback about right. uh, what they're experiencing during after um, throughout right feedback is a big thing now. huge <laughs> <laughs> it's not only just a buzzword. I mean, it's a buzzword for sure. But the reason it's a buzzword is because um, in a workshop, you become a small liminal, if, if I can yes. jump back. For the moment, you're a, a community. Right. And inside the doors uh, or the walls of a workshop space, um, everyone is a member. Right. And the more that people can feel that they're a member, the, more, the better work you're going to get out of people, the more they're engaged in the material, and the better you as a facilitator are going to feel at the end that you've conveyed whatever it is you want to convey. So every workshop I've ever been in mm -hmm. has had the get up, say a little something about yourself, and you know, listen to the next person. And, and you go around the 20 people, you don't remember any of the names mm -hmm. <laughs> or what they do, but you sort of get a gist of who's in the room. It, is that really important? Is that something everyone should do, or is it is it just? Are we going to talk about icebreakers? I think the I think we should. Okay. Um, okay. The reason why icebreakers have become ubiquitous is because they are important, and here's okay. why. Like I said before, a workshop is a a mini community for the time that everyone is there. Okay. And it used to be okay that everyone was an audience and there was one leader slash expert, sage on the stage, who knows everything. Okay. But now we realize that's not actually true. And if even if you're the leader or facilitator, you've probably just learned the stuff, you know, and anyone can really learn the stuff. Maybe it takes a long time or whatever, but, you know, other people know other stuff too. Learning is fun. Learning is fun. And... Um, so as a participant, you want to feel that you are important. And you are because, you know, if, if participants weren't in the room, there would be no workshop. Right. A teacher needs students. Absolutely. So the students really matter in this case. The, the, another reason for um, icebreakers, and I'll say this till, till the end of time, is if you want people to participate and to engage in whatever it is you're doing, you need to give them small low stakes ways of participating before you ask them to reveal something jump off a cliff exactly gotcha. so um, having people speak at the very beginning even if it's just to say their name and how they arrived in the room it's that little low stakes way of um, reminding people in a very visceral way that they matter right good that makes perfect sense I feel strongly about icebreakers I, I see that <laughs> Okay, so obviously there, there's so much that people can get off your website. Um, if they want to contact you and learn more about uh, how to put together an engaging workshop, um, how can they do that? 
um, please get in touch with me. There's a form on my website, but you can also contact me directly at hello at emilysadowski.com. Cool. And I'll get back to you soon. I love, love, love working on educational experiences. Um, it's kind of my favorite thing. And uh, if you want to work together, uh, give me a call. All right. Well, thank you, Emily, for being a, a wonderful guest. Thank you so much, Michael. It's so nice to talk to you. A- and uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, somebody else. Who knows who? <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.